Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano this afternoon, along with LZ. You got Greg Bergman, Laura Romo, the entire team from Sedano and LZ. Get it, LZ. And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew. Yeah. This was my stuff. You You like the Golden Girls. I love this theme song. (laughs) I played this theme song in my reception at my wedding. I think it was the crowd, the most crowded the floor had been the entire night. 1988, The Golden Girls was one of like the biggest hit shows on TV. That was the year that the Lakers and the Dodgers both won their respective titles. And here we are in 2020, 32 years later, and uh, both teams win championships, only not in the same year, in the same month. Incredible. Truly incredible. LZ, Clinton Yates is standing by. If he was uh, a Golden Girl, who would Clinton Yates be? Okay, so first of all, (laughs) what? Number one, obviously, I would be Blanche, the late great Rue McClanahan. Oh, great! What? I will tell all of you all about it every single day of the week. Number two, have you seen that video, LZ, of where the homie sings his own version of the Golden? Oh God, yeah. Snatches his own wig. I know Scott, you might not know that term, but he snatches (laughs) his own wig. When he hits the high note, and it is glorious. Oh, it's fantastic. Laura, can you find that for us, by the way? The, the Ghetto 5 version of uh, the, the Golden Girls theme song. They actually That's played it. How y'all doing? Very good. Did you know that when they did the live script reading, did you see that? The the live reading of the Golden Girls episode with a bunch of actresses. Um, what about you know, Regina King. They actually got the brother who sang the song that we're talking about to do the, oh, here he is. Here it is. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. No, 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 no. Yeah. Nice. Clinton, all this started because we were trying to figure out where we all were in 1988. Clinton, where were you? In 1988, I was seven years old, but I remember this particular event, not just because of Oral Hershiser, the Bulldog, but specifically, and this is going to get into my wheelhouse, because I remember what their uniforms looked like differently than they did than they do now. They have a white outline on the old road uniforms. They do not have that on the numbers nor the logo this time, and it looks a little naked. So that's why I remember that, because to me, it was the best-looking Dodgers away uniform in their history of Los Angeles, and Oral Hershiser is the one who won it. That's some deep dive yeah. right there, brother. So we've had seven years old with Clinton Yates. Mm-hmm. We had like five years old with little Greggy Bergman. We had Laura Romo in diapers and throwing up on herself is what she said at three months old. Uh, She she makes it sound like it's the past. Yeah, right. I I was a freshman in college. Elsie, you said you were a junior in high school? I was a junior in high school. I was a junior because I was a senior when the Pistons won the championship. So I was a junior when we lost to the Lakers the year before. 1988, 32 years, two teams, same city both with championships, but Clinton this year different because both in the same month, 
How crazy, man. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that in a year of 2020, COVID, the world changing, upside down, businesses closing, people dying. Uh, it, you know, here we are, both teams, one month, two championships. What do you think? And overcame some things, too. You know, LZ and I have talked about this, you know, on this program and otherwise about what the Lakers did. But I don't want to understate, you know, in terms of the Dodgers and the expectations, you know, how, how difficult this really was. You know, also, they didn't get their home field advantage. You know, they had to play off-site. Not that everybody didn't, but I think that for the Dodgers specifically, that, that's an element. And in terms of Dave Roberts as well, all the things he had to overcome, including the actual mistakes he made, he, in fact, at the end of the day, did not make the worst possible mistake, which Mr. Cash did, in terms of pulling out the guy that was getting it done. I mean, Dave might have gotten kind of, I don't want to say let off the hook, but it doesn't matter. You know, he figured it out for long enough to win the whole thing. And that, to me, is ultimately something that I don't know that most Dodger fans thought could have happened. I think that a lot of people thought that he was going to always be the one that made the last mistake. Well, guess what? He wasn't, and they won it. You know, it's so remarkable, this hindsight that we like to do, because there are so many factors that we aren't privy to that go into these decisions, right? Whether it's who else is involved in the decision-making process, um, what a player may or may not have said um, at a certain point during the conversation. You remember when Rich Hill told Dave, you know, watch me? Right, can't do it, right. And it's like, well, what do you do with that information? And it's like, going, why are you pulling out Rich Hill? It was like going, well, he told Dave to watch him. I mean, what are we no, supposed I mean, to do? I'll you, and this is, why, this is why when people bring up, and I heard y'all talking about this yesterday, and that's why I texted George at the time, and I said, when people talk about analytics, what they fail to understand is that the key verb and phrase in that word is analyze. You know, you have to see what is actually happening in order to be able to use the numbers to your advantage. And that is something that I felt like Dave did not necessarily do all that well, but did relatively well in this postseason. It's not just taking the book or looking at the sheet, as they say in football. It's understanding the information, looking at what's going on in the game, doing exactly what you said, LZ, listening to your players, and then doing something. It's not just about, oh, here it is on the chart, this is what we do. you know. And that's something that I feel like the Rays fell victim to. You just don't pull the guy that's mowed down the top three batters in the daggone lineup of the best team in the country, you know, because you think he's, his ERA is going to balloon. Like, for once, again, Dave didn't make that mistake. He saw his people. He did what he thought he needed to do in order to win it. He trusted his guys, and they won. I mean, I'm, ha- I'm happy for him, and I'm proud of him. Let me ask you guys this question. We got Clinton Yates here this afternoon, Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano with LZ. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think Kevin Cash made the decision, it's time for Blake Snell to come out, or do you think that the Rays organizationally made the decision if he's going well, he gets five and a third. That's what he gets. Is this, was this a, a managerial decision at the time, or was this a predetermined organizational decision? What do you guys think? I think it was predetermined. You know, I, I think that they had a plan. And, you know, whose fault it is that the plan wasn't adjusted based upon the eyeball test as a conversation for that organization but I do believe they came in with a plan because the Dodgers go into each game with a plan as well for their pitchers. And you don't hear very much about the eyeball test or things like that. Now, when the plan falls to pieces in front of them, 
then they adjust. But I don't necessarily, I don't know from your perspective, Clinton, but I don't recall very many teams that are very analytics-driven that deviate from the plan because the eyeball test says something differently, unless the guy is, like, flaming out. Well, no, the eyeball test doesn't necessarily have to say something differently, but like you said, the mouth test might say something differently in terms of what the players say on the field. But to me, there's no way this could have been Cash's decision. It's just not possible for me, if you go through all day in a clubhouse, see your starter, who in my opinion is the best player on your team, warm up, get in his groove, get that smooth with it, and deal that well, and take him out of the game. I just don't believe that, and I hate to say this, but like baseball person to baseball person, that that's something you can do in-game on your own volition unless you're required to. All right, let me I, ask I just don't. I have to give Kevin Cash the benefit of the doubt, and if I'm going to be perhaps the most cynical about it, what I would say is, if he was given the decision, he was scared to not make it in terms of keeping him in the game for you know whatever reason. But, but to me, watching that game, when the other team is cheering, right. when you bring your pitcher out, you have actively made a mistake. Yep. And that was obvious to anybody. And that, that, yo, he's got, I mean, I don't know how he's sleeping tonight right now. Whether it was his fault or not, he knows he took his best player out of the game in the most important game of the season. And that's, that's brutal, man. Yeah, I know. Clinton, Dave Roberts was on with us earlier, and, and LZ, you heard what Dave said. He's like, when he went out there to get Snell, their whole dugout came to life. I mean, people were – I mean, they had big smiles on their face. Like, they knew what had happened. You know, top players on the Dodgers had gotten mown down, you know, six straight times with, with six strikeouts. And so I would ask you guys this question. Do you think that he has the autonomy to make the decision to say the game plan was five and a third – but he's on fire. He's got nine strikeouts, no earned runs. You know what? My gut says stay with him. I'm going to stay with him. You think that managers today, and in particular this this case with Kevin Cash, you think no, that I he had the autonomy to make I the decision? That, if I may say, more importantly, I think that Blake Snell also didn't really have the sort of agency to fight it, which mm-hmm. is almost worse on some level. Right. If your players know that and they're thinking that, whilst they're delivering, whilst they're playing the game, you've kind of already defeated yourself in a certain way. If, if, if Cash comes out there and says, dude, I'm not leaving. You know what I'm saying? You can knock me out and take this baseball from me, but, like, dude, I'm dealing. It's the World Series. I believe Cash in that moment says, you know what? Fine. You guys want to fight the player? You can fight the player in terms of uh, management. You're not going to fight me, but you saw what was happening, and I thought it was a reasonable decision. But if Snell just says, all right, man, here's the ball, and walks off, which, you know, fine. He's not going to you know, usurp authority or mess up the chain of command. That means that every level on down, up and down the organization, guys know the numbers are bigger than me, and that's, that's depressing. You know, just, just, just as a fan of the game, never mind someone who covers it and has coached it and played it, like – that that sucks. You can't have that. You can't have the players not being as determined and as motivated as they should be. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm not one of those get off my lawn kind of sports guys who thinks analytics are ruin the game. But I do believe there are certain, you know, organizations that are misusing its purpose, and that's cost them some games. In yeah. this case, you, yeah, know, you cost them a, cha- a chance at a championship. Analytics are a great way to construct the roster. They're not a great way to manage a game, and I agree. With you. Yeah. I know that's that. That's I hear people complaining about it all the time. I'm not as hardcore where people are, it's ruining the game. This is what's wrong with baseball today. I just feel like you know when when you when you look at a guy like Tony Larusa being hired at 76 years old, somebody thinks you know what we need. We actually need somebody who can manage the game. We don't need to tell him what to do with the numbers. We've got the talent. Let him manage. So it's like somebody's going back to the old school style rather than staying yeah, with the new I mean, school style. 
you know, don't get me started on Tony LaRusso. The guy's been out of the game for 10 years. Oh, my How God. effective is an old-school style going to be? That's a whole other story Ridiculous. regarding the White Sox. But, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. But, again, also, they lost, Scott. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it didn't work. So, you know, what, you know I, I'm not really sure what else to say about that is that if you're going to go into sort of results-based analysis, never mind analytics, like, well, that one didn't work, guys. So maybe you might want to change your algorithm because you lost the World Series after taking out a guy who was literally having one of the best games of his career, if not the best. That's yeah. just stupid. You know, there's no number that's going to convince me otherwise. Clinton, when you're, uh, when you're doing Around the Horn, I like when you're rocking that white Kobe hoodie. Ah, thank you. I got that from the guys over at ESPN LA. That was a fun bit that we did on social. You know, I like to dress up, you know, for the, for the television, just like, you know, it's Halloween coming up. I did a couple of Mandalorian things. I know you don't know anything about that, Scott. Mm-mm. You're not familiar not a damn with thing. Star Wars universe. Mm-mm. But LZ knows. How do you feel about the Mandalorian and Mando and Baby Yoda, LZ? So, wait. <laughs> that's your costume? I didn't say that. I said I have done some things in the Star Wars universe with the Mandalorian. It happens to be Halloween, and some people might be dressing up. You never know what your boy's going to do. Man, if you dress up as Baby Yoda, that would be so amazing. That, that would be so amazing. I'll be. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta see. You know, I've done Darth. Mm-hmm. I've done Chewbacca. I've done. You know, I've done Leia. That didn't go over so well. Ooh. Yeah. Was, like the hair, I get it. Yeah, the Use locks kept falling hair? out. You know, the locks kept falling out. It couldn't hold the bun. It was frustrating yeah. all night. Yeah. Um, ah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. I hate when that happens. Um, you know, I'm, what I'm feeling you? so badly about about not knowing about Mandalorian. I've I've just Googled it all. And now, because and LZ Mondays, told bro, I mean, listen, I got a, I got a, I got a product launch drop happening on Monday. Y'all can tune in. What? Twitter, the whole deal. I got all the new sneakers. Y'all don't know about. I've been wearing them around Venice Beach all week. You know what I'm saying? Because they're cool and I like them. But yeah, man, Mandalorian is a great show. You know what it is? It's basically a western in the Star Wars yes. universe yep. with a you know magic child. That's what it is. It's, great. <laughs> it's a magic child. All children are magical. I mean, that's true, but, you know, it's not even a human child. So it's All right, I'm going to watch this because I feel like I'm left out, and I'm going to watch it, and I hope I love it. You know what? As the kids say, this is the way. You will love it. I All hope right. you love it, too. I am. I'm hoping so. Uh, hey, Clinton, it's great to talk to you. Always great to have you on. Thank you very, very much. Absolutely, guys. Glad to be back. Glad to hear from you, and be safe tonight. Yeah, you too. You too, Clinton brother. stopping by a couple minutes, hanging out here a little bit. Hey, um, by the way, this weekend, on October 31st, so Saturday night, Halloween, two of the best boxers in the world, LZ, going head-to-head for the fight of the year. Don't miss Tank Davis as he takes on Leo Santa Cruz live on pay-per-view Saturday, October 31st. It's a true 50-50 matchup between all action fighters. The four-fight pay-per-view card from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio will be the first major boxing event with fans in attendance since the beginning of COVID-19. So listen, big fight happening this weekend on pay-per-view, Saturday, October 31st. Okay, speaking of Halloween, you know, you, you told me I'm un-American because I don't, I don't know Mandalorian. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to dress up as is Halloween, and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to dress up. Stick around with LZ, Scott Kaplan in for Sedano, Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano, Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. I'm not thinking. So LZ, I knew you'd love this song. There's something about you, girl. Yeah, come on. That, that makes, makes me, me sweat. sweat. So <laughs> I not only did I love the song, I used to know the rap afterwards. You remember the rap that used to come with this song? <laughs> Mediate, don't something, 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 something. This was a big hit back in 1988, the last time the Lakers and the Dodgers were both champions in the same year. So we've been planning all day long. Like, all right, we're going to play the hits from 1988. We're going to play TV show themes, stuff from movies. And Laura said to me at the break, she goes, all right. Was uh, there no hip-hop in 1988? Because we well, haven't played one yet. I asked for some Run DMC. Oh, and Laura's just like going, not today, devil? Wait, hold up. Uh-uh. Hold, Hold up. up. Because up. the guy that gave me the music is Greg. So sorry, Greg. Oh, so you I went to like, Greg. No, no, no. no, no. Greg, no, no, Greg no, came no, to no. me. Greg There's came no to me. no hip-hop in 1988? Is that what you're trying yeah, to tell I, me? I went, I went to the Billboard okay. Hot 100 singles of 1988. And I said, pick one of the 10. We went through the top 10. There is no Run DMC in the top 10. Yeah, he just I'm gave sorry. me the top four. So mm, I went yeah. with what the boss said, guys. That's too mm. bad because Peter Piper picked Peppers but Run Rock rhymed. Humpty Dumpty fell down. That's his hard time. You know what I mean? It's just, seriously, like in the 80s, Run DMC was my jam. I'm just, I'm embarrassed for the station. I'm embarrassed for the city. Um, I'm embarrassed for everyone that we've managed to play all these songs from 88. For some reason, though, like Children's Story hasn't been played yet. Uh, My Philosophy hasn't been played. Uh, FTP, you know, the clean version, hasn't been played yet. This Greg. was just the t- it was the top ten of the Billboard Hot 100 okay. singles. That's a legit complaint, I believe. It, it is, you know what? And I'm I'm ashamed of myself. I'm almost as ashamed as Laura is for calling it INXS. Yeah, she goes, "Hey, we're gonna play this song from INXS," and I'm like, I- "Did she say INXS?" Yeah, that's what she said. Okay. Yeah. It was quick. Oh, now little Bo Peep and lost his sheep, and Rip Van Winkle fell a hell asleep. Yeah, come on, LZ. You know this one. Why do you think I know this one, Scott? I don't know, because I know it. I know every word. <laughs> this was what was playing in my high school locker room, man, in the 80s. This is come out in 88? I would say this is probably like 87-ish, 88. Oh, man, you're breaking the rules. We can't, well, we can't bash Greg and then break the rules. Thank you. Jeez. Because I was thinking, I was like going, wait a minute. Was this 88? Well, it was definitely hung over from 87. <laughs> Hey, oh man, you got to chill from '88. How do we not have EPMDs? You got to chill. 
<laughs> we got to do the whole show over again. Let's just start all over at seven. Call up Mason Ireland. We're going to start with Purgatory, and then we're just going to power through all over again. There's no way we're getting Mason Ireland back on the line, that's for sure. LZ, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, with Halloween this Saturday night, Whoa. You, you said to me earlier, you know, it's very un-American of you to not know The Mandalorian. I felt terrible about it. I got a text from my girlfriend who said, here's your costume for Saturday night. You're going to be Captain America, so I want to feel very all-American. Oh, that's good. Um, I, but I don't, what are we going to do? Like, is anybody participating in Halloween? Because, you know, if you are, I got to decide between Kit Kat and Twix. I've been hearing you and George ask everybody, are you a Kit Kat person or a Twix person? I saw you on Twitter, the video that was shot of you eating that Kit Kat like a grown-ass man. I feel very proud, too. Mm-hmm. Very, very proud. Um, w- one of my best friends in the world, we've been friends since um, <laughs> since college, she goes, what happened to you? And I was like, what? She said, what happened to the guy that interviewed presidents and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know. I'm a different creature now. I'm eating Kit Kats with my mouth. Um, it was fun, though. And it was surprisingly not as bad as I remembered as a kid. I don't Kit Kat? Yeah. Yeah. I like a Kit Kat. I do like a Kit Kat. Now, did you say that that a, a Kit Kat comes in a four wafer bar? Yes. Okay. Did you and you said you were going to eat all four, like in one bite, like you were going to put your mouth around all four of them, right? That's what I was attempting to do. And how did that? How did that really go for you? Well, Laura went and got some bootleg version of the Kit Kat. So there's only two bars. But they were extra thick. So I think they were four bars compressed into two bars, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where it lacked in width and made up four in thickness, I guess. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not making oh, it. Oh, my God. So Kit Kat versus Twix. I don't really think that this is much of a debate because I really think Kit Kat is the far superior candy. In other words, if you were trick-or-treating on a normal year and mm-hmm. somebody said to you, you got a choice between Kit Kats and Twix... I think it's a very easy decision to take the Kit Kat. The Twix is a different, it's a totally different bar because when you bite into it, first you get the chocolate, then you get the thick, uh, like the caramel, and then you get the wafer and then back to the chocolate. Whereas the Kit Kat is the chocolate, the wafer, and the chocolate again. There's no caramel in the middle of that. Then you're like, you get the caramel all stuck in your your teeth, you know? But I'm pro-caramel. Most candy bars that I like have caramel. The only one that I, you know, that's on my list that I like that doesn't have any are the Chunkies. And I'll admit, Chunkies aren't great. I don't even know if they still make them anymore, but I just like them. <laughs> was Chunky the one that was the short uh, square that had the raisin and the peanut in it? Yeah. I like that bar. Yeah. I do. I, I like that bar. freeze them. Yeah, that's good. And then just kind of munch on them. Bunch on them slowly. I don't know what people are going to do for Halloween this year. I do plan on wearing a onesie. Um, cool. I'm very pro onesie. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of onesie. Well, I haven't decided. I haven't actually purchased it yet. I'm so behind. COVID has thrown off everything. Like I've been so focused in on like the Lakers and the Dodgers, and because we live out west, there's no real climate cue to let you know that the, that the months are passing by. So. I looked up and I was like, yeah, I got to vote. I got to vote. I got to vote. Oh, man, we vote in November. Oh, man, Halloween. I got to get a onesie. <laughs> I love it. I'm just going to go into some recycled costume that I know I've got in my garage. And like I told you, my girlfriend sent me my Captain America. She said, hey, 
you know, LZ's telling you you're un-American because you don't know the Mandalorian. We're going to get you in the Captain America costume, and I'm going to feel very patriotic in, in advance of voting. Are you going to send week. her a little Black Widow? Hey. <laughs> All right, listen, stick around. We still got a little bit more to go. I would like to get back to the Dodgers, the Lakers this year. Could the Rams be next? Let's talk about that coming up. Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano. Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, how about this? All right. The hits of 1988. Same year the Lakers and the Dodgers won their respective titles 32 years ago. This year they did it same year, same Mm -hmm. month. Two teams, two titles, one town. Along with LZ Granderson, this is Scott Kaplan in for George Sedano. Now, you know this song? LZ? I do. George Hamilton, mindset on you. Spent one week at number one. Hmm. George yeah, I mean, Hamilton. I remember right? the song. Yeah. Yeah. George. He Harrison. was sitting in the uh, George, Harrison. George Harrison. There we go. George Harrison. That's his name, right? The yeah. little beetle that no one cared about. Yeah. No, that was Ringo. When no one cared about. Oh. People cared about George, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! George, George Harrison was the best of the Beatles. He wrote all the best songs. He did. He wrote most. He wrote most of Abbey Road. He wrote. Um, no, he can't hear me very well. Sorry, I can hear you. Hear you. Uh, we just don't want to listen to this. Most best best of Abbey Road. He wrote. Um, Here comes the sun. It was. He's, Can he we was play awesome. children's story? Just because, I just need to hear some hip hop from the eighties. <laughs> from Slick Rick, that was an amazing song. All but right, I, well, Laura, can you find it? And I'll, I'll just give you guys this real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll there we go. She got it quickly. Yes, yeah, she did. I got, you. I got you guys. Got my mind set on you. We got this song sitting right there in the queue. It was Greg. <laughs> I'm blaming on Greg. Sorry, Greg. Which George Harrison got my mind set on you was number three in the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 1988. I just went off of that list. That's yes. all. Now, I will say this. How was that list composed? All right, don't answer that. It's a rhetorical question. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we weren't playing no mindset on you on my radio stations in Detroit. I just happen to have a wide variety of tastes. That's all. That's why I knew what it was. But 88, children's story, once upon a time. Come on now. Scott, I mean, please tell I'm, me you're dancing to yes, this. Yes, I am. That's that's what happened. I realized. I'm like, oh, wait, we're on the air. And, and I'm just sitting here. My head is bobbing. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here jamming like I got moves. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, she's playing instrumental because she's afraid something bad may say happen. So the Lakers win the championship. The Dodgers win the World Series. Is there any chance that you think the Rams could possibly – complete the hat trick for LA sports and it's it'll be in 2021 but it'll be the 2020 season and the the one thing I will say is you know if you're Tampa 
you thought you had a chance to get over big time. And, and the Rays, obviously, you know, we can sit here and argue all day long about managers' decisions and, and analytics and everything that might have happened. But the Dodgers got it done. I heard Jeff Passan on earlier today with Mason in Ireland. I don't know if you heard this or not. But Jeff Passan was saying, you know, it's amazing that Cash gets so criticized when Dave Roberts did the exact same thing with Clayton Kershaw the night before. And I'm like, hey, Jeff Passan, you know a lot more about baseball than I do. But I don't think it was the exact same situation Not at, at all. all. Right. <laughs> Not at all the same thing. Right. I don't recall uh, Blake Snell having a rough start. <laughs> I don't recall Blake Snell having to work was not his best stuff to get guys out. I'm not taking, there's not no shade on Clayton Kershaw. He did what any great champion needs to do when you don't have your best stuff. The thing is, is Blake Snell did have his best stuff. He was cooking. He was dealing, as Travis likes to say, from the jump. And he was looking at our best player in Mookie Betts and says, not today, devil. Mookie, could, Mookie struck out twice. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily apples to apples, but the most important thing is that the reason why people aren't jumping all over Dave the same way they are cash is because they worked out for Dave. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. So the thing about the Rams is, yeah, they're five and two, mm -hmm. and, and their wins come against you know the dregs of the NFL, the worst division that the league has ever seen top to bottom this far into the regular season. And so do you think the Rams, you look around, and you see Seattle as, as an example. You see an up-and-coming Arizona team. You know how good the NFC West is. And if I look at the NFC right now, I think Tampa Bay, I know people might argue Green Bay, even though Green Bay lost to Tampa Bay, I think Tampa Bay has got it rolling. Now, you might say, well, they only beat the Raiders. But the week before, they had beaten the undefeated Packers yep. after losing to what I think are the very mediocre Bears. What do you think, LZ? Could the Rams make a run? You know, it's... At the end of the day, it's all going to be about matchups, right? There are certainly going to be teams in the postseason that the Rams have a favorable matchup, and there'll be other teams, obviously, where it won't be the case. And so they're not a team like the, you know, like Kansas City, for instance, where the matchup doesn't matter, right? They're not at that tier. They're tier two where matchup does matter, and they can still win the Super Bowl, but it has to be the right matchups. That's assuming, of course, they can make the postseason, which is a crazy thing to say at this point. We're almost halfway through the season already. They're 5-2, and two, winning over 70% of their games, and they may not make the postseason. <laughs> you know, that's how tough the NFC West is. But more importantly, that's how tough the remainder of their schedule is. You know, I know they got the Jets coming up. they got Miami, which is not going to be easy. This isn't the Miami of old. Their defense is much better than years past. But after that, we're talking – Two games against the, against the Hawks, two games against the Cardinals, one more game against the Niners. That's a pretty tough schedule. So if they're able to get through that and make the postseason, then I'm bullish, bullish on them being able to win the Super Bowl because then they would have, told, would have shown you that they can beat the mediocre and bad teams you put in front of them, and they can also run with the big boys. And that's looking more like a Tier 1 team than where I think they are right now is a tier two. They can still elevate cap, but they got to show us in this regular season by beating some teams that are playing 700, if not 800 ball. I think it starts against Miami. Again, it's a cross-country trip. You don't know what you're going to get out of Tua. 
it, the Dolphins bring Tua in now because they look and they go, New England's not very good. Buffalo's not what we thought they were. The Jets are terrible. Miami's looking at it saying, hey, this is a year where we could pay, maybe sneak in because there's no Tom Brady in New England. And so this is a big game this weekend. I know people probably don't know a lot about the Dolphins. Maybe they know that two weeks ago the Dolphins were on the road with Fitzmagic winning in San Francisco convincingly. Mm-hmm. And then the Rams went the following week and didn't really show up. But um, this is a this is a, this is a, an interesting start right now because the win against the Bears is the one quality win because the Bears had a good record, not necessarily because we perceive them to be very good. Right, right. But here, let me ask you this, because it doesn't appear as if the Chargers are going to be able to catch up. Um, when I'm looking at the standings as of right now to make the postseason, at least not right now. But, you know, we still got a long way to go. But the Raiders, the Raiders look like they could be postseason bound. If the Raiders were to win the Super Bowl by some strange collection of events, do we claim that? That's a great question. Um, Raider fans who are old school L.A. Raider fans and then by proxy lifelong Raider fans and fans of the Raider brand. So even if the Raiders went to Oakland or now to Las Vegas, they're still part of the Raider nation. That group of people will claim it as their victory. But can L.A. claim it as its victory? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a great question because even though the Rams have been to the Super Bowl recently, even though the Chargers probably have the most exciting quarterback of the three right now, um, this is still a Raider town in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. And their victories are claimed very much like they're right here at home. So I would say for a lot of people who are lifelong Raiders fans, as you were saying, they very well will claim this like this just happened in the backyard, even though they've moved to other cities since then. Yeah. LZ, I love the story earlier about how Jared Goff is sending Dodger players congratulations. And the night of their win, the Dodgers win, they're sending Goff back text messages saying, now it's your turn. I loved what Dave Roberts told us earlier today, that when he got back to his hotel room after the Dodgers had won and all of the press that he had to do and the hours after the game, I think he said he had 700 text messages and he returned every one of them. And I think both of you and I said the same thing, like, wow, you ain't lying because we both got one back saying, you know, just thank you, which I was, I, I didn't expect him to send a text back. Certainly not that night. So no, definitely not. But, um, you know, I guess when you're trying to decompress, um, you know, that's one way of doing it. Just kind of sitting back and just interacting with the people who've been there for you. I just want to point out real quick that Ari on Twitter, Greg says, got my mind set on you by George Harrison was released in October of 1987 and not qualified for the 88 LA song parades. Boom. Wow. Man, I, I, I told you where I got it from. I got it from Wikipedia. If Wikipedia lied to me, I'm sorry. If wow. Wikipedia lied to me. Lord, wow. sweet I Jesus. <laughs> you got to be careful when you're using Wikipedia. Hey, thanks to Laura Romo. Thanks to Greg Bergman. LZ, a pleasure to work with you. George Sedano is back tomorrow, and then I'll move back tonight's tomorrow night. Until tomorrow, Scott Kaplan for the entire crew signing off, saying peace.